Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. One piece of advice. Thank you for those of you who commented on my Facebook post. Man, it's, it's still going. People with their one piece of advice. And, um, and so this morning I, I, I did share on the topic of don't, don't be offended by trouble. Don't be offended by trouble. And if you want to understand what that completely means, listen to the podcast. It'll make a lot more sense to you. But basically, Jesus said, trouble is a coming. But so is help. And, um, and, and he promises. He actually makes two promises in one verse, John 16, 33. He says, trouble is coming. In this world, he says, you will have trouble. So don't be shocked by it. But he says, but I promise I'll help you through it. And, uh, you know, between those two promises, it's going to happen and he's going to be there for us. We're going to get through. My second piece of advice, which really, let's just pretend it's the one for the sake of the series, is, is this simple thought. Lifehouse, friends, family, run your own race. Yeah. Run your own race. So can I unpack that for you for a moment? Hebrews chapter 12, verses one to two says, therefore, whenever you see a therefore, always find out what it's there for. But we won't go into what it is there for. He basically goes on and he says that we're amazing people. And then he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Everyone say hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance. The race, the race marked out for us. Verse two, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This scripture is making it very clear that every one of us have got our own race. He doesn't say that some people have got a race. Every person in this room has a race that has been, according to this, marked out for you. Do you notice that when they have their starting gun and, and runners are about to begin their run, that they, they'll say, on your mark. The reason why they start off, they start off with that is because if you're not on your mark, you know, you can you can run the fastest lap and win, but you'll still be disqualified. Yeah, you've got to be on your mark. So as you're getting ready, it's like, are you on, are you on your mark? Get set, go. But you can't get set and go. So we love to get set and go, but you, you're going to get the first part right, which is on your mark. On your mark, get set, go. And the reason why I'm talking about running in your own lane is because the Apostle Paul or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, but the Apostle Paul does talk about the Christian faith also being a race. He alludes to it as to being a race. And the reason why I, I like this is because imagine you were a runner and you're about to run in the Olympics 
And, and, and you look over and you see another track and field over there and, and, and you think, you know what? I, I, I think I want to run that race. I, I, I like what they, there seems to be a lot more people there. There's a, there's a bigger crowd there. But what you don't realise is the race that you're about to run is a straight race and it only goes 100 metres. The race over there, that's, a, that's an 800 metre race. And you need a different skill set to run that race. You need a different gifting, a different conditioning. It may look sexy to you. It may look like, wow, I wish I could do that with my life. But you're not built for that. You're built for the 100 metre. You've got big legs, unlike me. You're big on top. You've got big legs. But you can't run very far. But you can run 100 metres in less than nine seconds. And you're built for that. But the minute you start to... So you can admire someone else's race. Just don't run it. Just don't run someone else's race because you will completely fail. You won't have the energy for it. It's really, really tiring. And here's the point of what I want to start to tell you tonight is stop trying to be someone else. It's really important. You know, we need to stop caring about what people say about us. You know, in your 20s, you're wondering what everyone is thinking about you. You get to your 40s, you don't care what people are thinking about you. You get to your 60s and you realise no one is thinking about you. Get over it, relax. Not there yet, but I'm nowhere near it. You know, you're always going to find a pressure from people for you to be someone else. You know, we are often happy to be who we want to be. It's only when other people start to press us into a mould that we start to feel that we have to become something else and be something else and talk in a different way and look a certain way, behave a certain way, a certain way, enjoy certain types of music. You don't really like that music, but everyone else is pressuring you to find yourself loving that type of music. Do you know living like that is tiring? You know, I've been pastoring this church for 17 years and I've been loving every moment. But let me assure you that there's always people who join our church and I'm sure that most of the time they're just, it's just a frivolous comment to them. Um, but there's often a pressure for me to be someone else. But in actual fact, some people actually ask me to be someone else straight up. They will often say to me, yeah, Pastor Richard, you know, we love your preaching, but it'd be, it'd be nicer if you could sort of preach a little bit like, more like Brian Houston, have that sort of voice going on there. And, uh, you know, it'd just be good if you could just, um, you know, just, just really believe in yourself. And, because I really believe in every, you know, every one of us in this place. You, you can. So I tried that for a little while and I was preaching like this and, and someone else said to me, but it'd be great if you could smile a lot like Joel Osteen. So I began to preach like this and smile like this. And what I was finding was that things were getting a little bit difficult. And then, and then they said to me, but you know, what would be really good is if you could maybe sweat a little bit like T.D. Jakes. And so, if you, so I'm smiling like this and I'm talking like this and, and, and I'm sweating like this. And, and then, oh, yeah, and then it was, 
And if you could just sort of squint a little bit more like Russell Evans and just sort of squint a little bit more as you twink in your eyes and smiling like, and talking like this and sweating and sweating more like this. And, and, and what would be great is if you actually had some, some muscles like uh, Stephen Furtick. And so, and, 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 and so I'm trying here. So, so you know, so I'm... So I'm, so, so, so I'm looking like this and, and I'm preaching like this. And I'm... Pastor Richard, it'd be great if you could look a little bit more like, uh, uh, what's his name, the guy with the funny glasses there? Uh, uh, no, uh, no, the other guy. Judah, can you, can you help me out here? Just let me, so, so I can have a little bit, so I can just be, just, just so, so now I need to be, so, so now I'm going to be a bit of, bit of Judah. And Pastor Richard, it'd be great if you could look a bit more Jensen Franklin. So, Now I'm going to preach the rest of the message like this. Because that's how some people are doing life. And you're looking at me and you think you look ridiculous. Well, I think heaven looks down at you and says, you know what? You look ridiculous. And why don't you just become the person that God has told you to be? And why don't you live the way He wants you to live? And let's see if we can actually get somewhere. Amen. Helen and I had the opportunity recently to go to Florence, such a beautiful place. And Helen definitely wanted to see some, some incredible artwork. And so we went to Florence. And does anyone know that the main, the main piece of artwork in, in Florence, according to Helen anyway? I don't, know. I don't know if this is the actual truth, but for Helen, there's one piece of artwork that has to be seen in Florence. And because you're a very well-educated people, very intelligent, you would know that it's the statue of, yeah. How many of you are glad I said statue first? Yeah. And here it is. Here's the, here's the statue of David, the original. Here it is. Here it comes. Yeah, now that's not it, guys. Um, that's someone smoking a bong. You know, I'm not going to lie. That actually is in Florence. Now, go back to that last picture. Uh, now, I actually asked the lady, I said, what is he doing? She said, we don't know, but obviously it's been around for a long time. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. Over here we will see, watch this, watch this. Over here you'll see the statue. Uh, no. Okay. If you could hear the swear words in that little, if you play that backwards. Seriously, on podcast, play that backwards and see what it says. That's my lovely wife, by the way. And she stood there, literally, honestly, Helen stood there for 10 minutes. And so did a whole lot of other people to admire the statue of David. Have a look at all those people. Honestly, that was, that was like a down day. Usually it's completely packed, you can't move as people want to stare at David. <laughs> as a piece of art, right? You get the whole thing, right? It's art, guys. 
But what you'll see with the next picture, this next picture you'll see, see that picture there? It is the same height, the exact same dimensions, exactly the same. Most people when they go to Florence think that that is the original statue of David, but it's not. That one's out in the open, it's a replica of the original. I want you to notice something, it looks the same, if you touch it, it probably feels the same, except that it's not the original. People pay 45 euro to see the original, people pay nothing to see the replica. No one's interested in the replica, people love the original. I'm not going to pay to see a replica you. I don't wanna talk to a replica you. I wanna talk to you. And when you are just you and you behave as you, you talk as you, you dress like you, you become valuable and people will pay to be a part of that. Nobody wants a replica. And we've got to get away from the... What does that mean, Pastor Richard? I've got to have a completely hairstyle. I can't be in fashion. No, no, what I mean is if you want that hairstyle, you have it. But don't do it because you're feeling a pressure and you want to try and please some other people. You do it because you want to do it because that means you are being an original you and you are welcome to be an original you and you should be clapping your head off because what I'm saying to you is live the dream that God's got for you. Don't be anybody else. Listen, let me make this statement very, very clear to every person in this place. You are a terrible someone else, but you're a brilliant you. Why would you wanna be terrible at something your whole life? I decided when we started this church, yes, there are many examples to me, many inspirations, but I'm not gonna be anyone else other than me because I'm a brilliant me, whether you like me or not. I am me. But if I try and be someone else, I can do a mediocre job at being someone else, but I can, be a, I can do a brilliant job at being me. Be a brilliant you. Give someone a high five and say, be a brilliant you. Be a brilliant you. Jesus was pressured by his best friend, Peter. And, and, and Peter says to him, Jesus, Things are going so well here with the ministry, man. The concerts are sold out. The books are selling. The DVDs, it's out of control. And Jesus says, yeah, that's great, but I'm going to go to Jerusalem now and go and die on a cross. <laughs> no, you're not. No. We're doing something different. You're on a flight to Miami. There's concerts sold out. What are you talking about? The conference starts next Thursday. Uh, Peter, get behind me, devil. And some of us need to say, get behind me, devil, to some areas of our life where we know we should be going that way because that's what God's called us to do. But there are people who want us to be someone else and they want us to go that way. I spoke to a girl this morning that says that she feels like she's being bullied and picked on because she wants to pray and talk to God and read her Bible. Wow. And I said to her, listen, young lady, you do what you want to do. And, and what she wants to do is very godly. Now, I'm not talking about someone who wants to go and hurt themselves or do something that's very destructive to them or someone else. No, no, I'm saying this girl wants to live for God, but the peer group don't want that to happen. Well, let me assure you, God is on your side. And let me just encourage you, you just go for what God is telling you to do and you be the person that God wants you to be. There's a pastor whose, whose father had an amazing church and the father suddenly died and it was a brilliant church, still is a brilliant church. 
And many of the elders and people with a kind heart and a good heart and good intentions said to him, wow, you've got some huge shoes to fill. How do you intend to fill your father's shoes? And he said, I'm not, I'm gonna buy some new ones. And you know, for a lot of us, we've got to just get it into our mind. We're not trying to fill anyone else's shoes. We've actually got our own shoes and we're going to live our own life and we're going to do what God has told us to do. Do you know, let me make this statement really clear. Everyone in this room, around you, in this world has a right to an opinion of who you should be. Everyone's got a right to it, but we have also got the right to absolutely listen to none of them. We can't stop people from having an opinion, but we can certainly stop what we then move forward and do. So how do we do this? Well, verse two tells us, how do we do this? Verse two says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, not Instagram. Yeah. How do we run our own race? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Why him? Because he's the person who set out your race. So when you look to Jesus, As you're running your race, he's just ahead of you. And if you just keep your eyes on him, you'll find yourself running around the track that he wants you to run on. But the minute we take our eyes off Jesus and we start looking to somebody else, then we start following where they're going. But what if they decide to change lanes, change track, change sport, change nation? We're gonna find ourselves completely lost. That's why the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Do you know, I don't know a whole lot about running. I've never been a competitive runner, but I have watched a lot. And I even watched a few, even this afternoon. Let me tell you what a competitive runner does. When they run, especially as they're getting toward the end of their long run, they stop looking at their competitors and they just look at the finish line. People who don't do that often find themselves in trouble in any sport. Some of you may have seen some of these videos. Can you believe that? Now listen, guys, we need to see that guy's face one more time. This guy was winning the race. Look, he's winning, he's winning. Look, look at the look on his face. What did he do wrong? He's winning the race. Instead of just focusing on the finish line, he starts looking at the crowd. And he started celebrating before he won the event. And you've all, yeah, that's enough of that, guys. That's just horrible to watch. Imagine if he just had a focused on the finish line 
he would have had the gold instead he had the silver because he was too busy staring at the crowd. You know what? We look at that and we laugh and we think, how could he have done that? But honestly, you can do life like that. You're, you're winning your race and you're thinking, this is just coming so easy. And so you think you can take your eyes off Jesus now. See, when you first got saved, it was all about Jesus. And you had the focus and you, it was all about Him because you didn't really trust yourself and you didn't trust others and you felt ripped off by religion. Someone preached the Gospel to you and you're like, that's it, I don't care. And you're running to... And all of a sudden, you start getting used to this thing. You start getting used to Christianity. Then you start looking to what that guy has to say and what does this person have to say. And next thing you know, you've... How did I lose the race? You took your eyes off the prize. Come on, put your eyes back on the prize. Let's get back to what God has called us to do. What, he's, what, what are you good at? What are you trying to do with your life? Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4 says this. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success. Why? Because they envy their neighbours. What a poor motivation that is. But this too is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Do you know the whole reason the human race has ended up where we are is because Adam and Eve bought into the comparison, not running their own race, lie. The devil said to them, so you guys think you're complete, do you? Yeah, we are. Look at us. We're naked and we don't even feel ashamed. And the devil says, you know that you're actually missing out on something. You know that you could be wiser. Oh, so let me tell you what the enemy wants to do in your life. He loves to highlight the gaps. Do you know what the enemy would love to? He's, not, he's never going to highlight your gifts. He's never going to highlight what you've got. He always highlights what you don't have. He always talks about the gifts you don't have. God talks about the gifts that you do have. When Moses said, but God, how do I serve you? God says to him, what's that you've got in your hand, Moses? Uh, it's just a stick. Yeah, I can deliver a whole nation with just a stick. And God today would say to you, as you say to him, but God, what can I do? God says, what have I put in your hand? Stop worrying about what you don't have. I'm only gonna hold you accountable for what you do have. Can you speak? Then speak. Are you good looking? Use your look somehow. Can you love people? Love people. Some people think, oh, I don't want to get up on, on the platform. I can't preach. You don't have to. But some of you are the best preachers just sitting opposite a young lady at your office desk and you're talking about her life and you're being a preacher right there. Don't worry about what you don't have. What do you have and celebrate it because there is a God in heaven who's only going to hold you accountable for what you can do, not what you can't do. Isn't that awesome? I don't have to worry about everything else. I've just got to worry about what God has put on my life. Let me tell you the thing about comparison. It will either kill you or it will kill someone else. Oh, why would you say that? Because Cain and Abel both offered up their gifts to God. God accepted Abel's, but he rejected Cain's. And instead of Cain saying, well, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? All he did was he compared, he compared that God loved this guy and didn't love him and so he thought the answer was, let's kill him. And for some of us, instead of when we fail, just getting better at what we do, we think if we can just kill everybody else, then I will win the race. That's a really bad way. That's how the dictator won the race. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. But there's a film, it's a comedy about a guy who starts running a race and the way he wins the race is he kills all the competitors. 
And again, some of us, we think that's how we have to win the race. Just If I just badmouth some people, that's how I get the promotion. If I, if I gossip to the boss about all the other competitors, then maybe that's the way I get it. Friends, that's not the ways of God. God says, you just be godly. You just do the right thing. And I promise I will get you to where you need to be if you would just trust me and do what I'm asking you to do. Someone else winning is not you losing. Did you, I need to say it again. Someone else winning is not you losing. There's enough room for everybody to win. And you're thinking, oh, well, that can't be true. Only, two, only one person can get the job. But how many other jobs are there? You might not get that job, but there's another job. There's, there's room to go around, but don't let competitive comparison get into your spirit because it only leads to one of two places. Let me help you with this. When you compare your life, instead of just running in your own lane, when you start comparing, it only goes to one of two places. One is pride. I'm better than them. If I do that as a pastor, start comparing our churches. Well, we are, we are bigger than a whole lot of other churches. You know that, right? So I can say, hey, look at our church. We're bigger than that church and we're bigger than that church. Well, that's called pride. And the Bible says God hates pride. Well, that's not very good. But you know what I can then easily do is look at the other churches that are much bigger than us. And what does that lead to? When I start looking at much bigger churches, I think, oh, man. And then I get discouraged. Pride, discouragement. Do you, do you think God wants me in any one of those boats? But how did I find myself there? By looking there and looking there rather than just looking here and celebrating what I've got and rejoicing with God and being happy with what God is doing in this place. Amen. You know, this, this plays out really practically. You know, Helen and I, we've raised three beautiful kids. They're all big now and they're married and two of them are sort of living out there somewhere, who knows where. And, uh, and one lives at our house, but we probably see them, the other two girls, more than we see the son because you know how it works, right? Beautiful kids, but you know, when they were growing up, we used to have what we used to call school presentation nights. Helen and I used to call it in our diary, you suck as parents nights. Because my kids would never win the awards. <laughs> Why? Because they didn't work hard enough? You know, well, you know, they actually did. But there's, there's some brilliant kids out there. But you know, as my kids have grown, they've found their own way. But you know, in the end, they actually did win this award and my son won that award and, and Sarah's now winning awards. And, but you know, what I'm trying to say to you is, why, why did I really despise those nights? Because I was comparing myself. Do you know all that matters? Do you actually love your kids? Have they got a great home to, to live in? Is there peace in the home? Is there lots of love? And some of you are really down on yourself because, oh, my kids don't get to play tennis and basketball and billiards and <laughs> all on the same night. You know, just, there's lots of kids that are doing that. And I don't know whether that's what leads to happiness ultimately. You know, I'm, I, I thank God that we serve a saviour. Is anyone getting something out of this? You know, I'm so glad that we serve a saviour. And here's my example. I'm so glad that Jesus never compared with his disciples. Come on, you know as well as I do. Some of them were great. Some of them weren't so great. You know, for example, when the centurion 
came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, my daughter is unwell, please, or my servant is unwell, please come back to my house. And, and, and Jesus goes, yeah, I'm coming. Uh, but, but the centurion goes, no, 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 you don't even need to come. You don't need, just speak the word. And, and Jesus goes, wow. This is, this is what he actually says. He says, wow, I've never seen such faith in all of Israel. And then the Bible moves on. But what I'm glad he didn't do is go, wow, I've never seen such faith. Not like. <laughs> Imagine it said that in the Bible. And Jesus made eyes toward Thomas. And Thomas was like, what? what? And Jesus is like, you know. You know what's coming. <laughs> Aren't you glad Jesus didn't? Or oh, Peter standing there is like, Jesus is like, yeah, Peter, you know, and he would have gone, Mr. Centurion, you're amazing. Not like. <laughs> Jesus never compared. He knew all the faults, all the failings, but he just let it happen. You know, in marriage, it's really important to not compete with one another. Hey, you know, Helen and I again, you know, very early in the piece when we were raising our kids, we just made a deal. We, we, we said, okay, what, how are we going to raise these kids? And we came up with some job descriptions. My job was to have a lot of fun make sure my kids just had a lot of fun. <laughs> Helen's job was to keep them alive, <laughs> basically. Do you know, one day we actually tried to reverse the roles. Anyone watch the Modern Family episode where they tried to reverse the roles? Our, our experience of that was even worse than that. And uh, it, it didn't go too well. Listen, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of competition, but the minute you start competing within families, it gets really destructive very, very quickly. This is what Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 says. I'm going to finish with just a couple more scriptures and then we're done. It says, pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. What's the Bible saying? Just put your head down. Work hard. And surprise, surprise, there are people watching you doing what you're doing. You can't even see it happening. But when you start to just do what you are really good at, you don't have to be good at everything, but people are waiting for you to be good at something. Yeah. But you will never be good at everything and anything if you just keep trying to be good at everything. And you're not going to be good at everything. And this is something I've been saying a lot lately. The Bible does say that through Jesus Christ, we can do all things, not everything. And so let me encourage you, just run your race. And you may think that your, your, your lane is so narrow, it's so small, it, it's tight, it doesn't look expansive to you, it doesn't look important, it doesn't look significant. But what you don't realise is, is right now there are people asking the question, who's good at that? Who's good at that? In your organisation, in workplaces, in churches, right now there are conversations. Who's good at that? And the funny thing is, it's you, but you're very busy trying to be this person. And so you never quite find your fit and then you do that job for a little while, but it doesn't quite suit you and you get bored with it because all the whole time you should have been right here, but everyone told you, oh, I think you'd be good over there. 
but you knew the whole time you'd be great over here. Can you run your own race? Can you trust that God has built you? He's made you. He knows what you're trying to do. And celebrate who you are. Amen. You want to have short hair? You have short hair. You want to have long hair? Have long hair. No, really. You want to get your back waxed? Get your back waxed. Am I revealing a bit too much right now? All right. Just do your just do life the way you guys do it. I, I'm not going to ramble, but I've just just I've just got a couple of just you know just a couple of, but like Helen and I, we really really love each other. Honestly, do you love me? That's great because I love you. All right. So just making sure because I, I didn't want to put myself out there if you weren't going to give it back, right? Now I really really love this girl and she really really loves me. I think right most of the time. But honestly, she'll be away for three days and I don't, well, she just was. She was, she was away for three days and I didn't call her once. I don't want an accolade for it. That's just the way we do life. But there's a couple that I know of where, honestly, they call each other five times a day. And I thought, maybe we don't love each other. So what I started, honestly, this is a true story. Then I started what I thought, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna ring my wife five times a day. And just very short, you know, just really short bursts. Hey, Han, just want to tell you once again, I know it's the fourth time today, but that I really love you. So I thought, I'm just going to drop, but I'm not going to tell her. I'm just going to do it. So anyway, I start doing it. By the fifth phone call, she says, okay, what's the matter, Han? She goes, have you cheated on me? She got suspicious. I'm trying to do the right thing. And she just saw it as, what's going on with my husband? He must have done something wrong. He's done something evil. And he feels so guilty that he's going to ring me five times in one day. And I thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? Just be me. It's worked for 28 years. Let's just keep doing what we're doing here, right? And, let's just, and I can't be that couple. But for them, if he doesn't ring five times, maybe she thinks something's wrong. But for us, it doesn't work that way. Is this okay? Just, just do what works. Be who you are. Run your relationship the way it's supposed to run. Is that all right? And then I've got a whole lot of other great information in there, but we've run out of time. But it was, so, honestly, it would have changed your life so <laughs> Yeah, you would, you would have never been the same. You would have never had to come to church for at least four or five years after. But it ran out of time. What can I say? We just have to leave the brilliance till next time. This is my encouragement to you. This is not one of those messages where I'm expecting you to get all teary. I just want you to think for a moment. This is a bit of a stop message. Just stop. Just relax. Find your lane. If I could give you one piece of advice, I've seen too many of my pastor friends that are not pastoring churches today because they were trying to be everyone else but who they were. I've seen, I've seen songwriters who were writing brilliant songs, but because someone encouraged them, but why don't you move on and put some rap into your book? Why don't, they're, not, they're not rap artists. And, so they, and then it was just horrible, and so they gave up on the whole deal. I've seen some people who were brilliant artists, and they were creating some beautiful things, and they had a real niche. But someone said, but why don't you try doing and so they and, they're, and now they're doing nothing. I'm just, I'm tired of that. Just be you. Do life the way you're gifted to do it. Listen, I'm going to really put it out there. Do it easy. A four-wheel drive does four-wheel driving easy. Take a Porsche out four-wheel driving. It really struggles wasn't built for it. It may want to do it, but you're not built for it, Mr. Porsche. But take a four-wheel drive out on a track, 
and it's going to go off the track and smash into something. Every, horses, courses, gifting, tasks, God's got a race for you. I want you to step into your lane. I want you to do what God's calling you to do and be the person God's calling you to be. Amen. Hi, I'm Richard Kabaki and pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now. And if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.